Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 245 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. And this week, we're joined by a very special guest, guest, guest Gage. Would you mind introducing yourself? Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Gage Allen. I'm the creative director at a company called Player One Trailers, and we make video game trailers for all sorts of games. Awesome. Yeah, Gage had reached out to me and uh, and kind of presented a really cool opportunity for not only myself and Carrick, but also our audience to learn about a part of the industry that we, we just don't talk about ever. You know, we consume trailers, but we don't know the creation process behind them. You know, I'll be honest, just so we can put this out there. Uh, as far as I was concerned, I thought trailers were made in-house by development studios, like they had hired like video editors or something along those lines. Um, but seeing right. your company and, and the line of work you guys have, for those who don't know, um, I went to their site, uh, player1trailers.com, and I saw there was a, uh, a Nintendo Switch on TV commercial. There was Baldur's Gate 3, Stellaris, The Long Dark. So you guys have a, a pretty vast, recognizable portfolio. So it's going to be really exciting to, uh, to talk about this, and we, and we thank you for giving us your time and, and lending us your knowledge on things that oh. I know nothing about. <laughs> Well, thank you. No, I, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. It's uh, I, I actually I've seen uh, Ham Radio uh, back when I think Lone was doing it, and that was uh, a while ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, five years ago. So it's it's yeah. kind of kind of funny to to be on here and uh, yeah to wow. meet you guys. So yeah, cool. there we go. So let's just get right into it, right? Um, what is the you know, the creative process for, for making a trailer, you know, where do you guys even begin with that? Especially if it's, is it CGI or gameplay? Is there a different approach on that? Yeah. So I basically all trailers kind of start with what the studio wants, you know, kind of like we, we talk and we have this exploration process where we really try and kind of figure out what the company's looking for. Um, and a lot of times those will, that will vary depending on what kind of trailer it is. If it's like a CGI, like really high-end E3 announcement, then the approach is very different in development and whatnot compared to like a gameplay trailer or something like that. Um, so it really comes down to just finding out like what they're looking for, you know, what's the X factor. What if, you know, I always ask these studios, like if there's one thing you want viewers to walk away from after they see this trailer or a project, like what is that thing? Um, and that really helps us sort of mold and get an idea of like what what the process should be. Um, and okay. every trailer is different, um, but there tends to be like a predetermined path of like, you know, CGI. OK, we're talking animation. We're talking really high end stuff. We're talking months of development. You know, if we're talking a gameplay trailer, then maybe it's more of like along the lines of six, seven weeks. Um, but it just depends because there's a million and a half different trailers out there. So it's it's kind of fun. But uh that's generally where it starts. Yeah, because uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned the timing of it all because some folks have always wondered when it comes to uh, sometimes you'll have gameplay trailers that don't sync up with details that have come out with interviews within the last week. But now that you say you know, they could start upwards of like two months beforehand, um, it, it definitely explains why. Um, is there a – and let me know if this is too on the nose, but is there like a – a particular cost difference like let's say you know you're you're saying i'm making a, a gameplay trailer is that considerably cheaper because you're working with footage in game versus uh a cgi which i'm not even sure where you would begin with that one yeah so cgi yeah there is a very big cost difference because like if you think there's there's a lot of really amazing companies that do specialize in cgi trailers 
you know, places like Blur or um, like Studio Squeeze. I mean, there's a lot of really good folks. And uh, those, I mean, those can cost millions of dollars to make, to have like a two minute CGI trailer at the quality that a lot of these CGI trailers are at. Like a lot of the like Elder Scrolls online trailers that are really highly oh, crafted or, or the Blizzard trailers, like those are super expensive to make. Uh, so when we're talking like doing gameplay trailers where, you know, we jump in and we take a, a 3D camera within the game and we shoot things in real time in some cinematic form and we create title sequences and we write a voiceover and do all the editing and sound design and we'll do custom music as well. Um, that is definitely much cheaper. Um, it doesn't quite reach the multi-million dollar level of some of those CGI stuff, but yeah. <laughs> so you'd say Baldur's Gate 3, that was a pretty long CGI trailer. That would rank in the in the higher end, we'll say, of the uh, the, the cost spectrum? I would imagine. I don't know the specific details. Gotcha. Because um, that was a different studio that did the CGI opening, which is amazing. Oh, but, oh apologies. Yeah. No, okay. no, no. We 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 specialized in the in the official screenshots and whatnot that came out. Gotcha. So gotcha. that's that's what in uh, we did the AK cinematic screenshots and then we did the 4K direct gameplay UI shots and whatnot. So we worked with Larry and over the course of uh, a few months on on getting those kind of up to snuff and whatnot. So I wonder if they had any involvement with that uh that event you went to, Carrick. If these guys did. Yeah, like you know the the gameplay and stuff that you saw because it was all pre recorded. Oh yeah, I don't know. I mean that that was all just. Uh... <clears throat> yeah, I don't know because that was just him playing, but he was playing the same thing he played also later when he, oh, when he did really? the event later. Oh. Yeah, well there were some there were some minor differences, but you know it was the the impromptu. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm just going to do this was not very impromptu because he said, I'm just going to do this three times in three different shows prior. You know, that's sort of the way it is. <laughs> yeah. But right. uh, yeah, I don't think they did on that one in particular. Okay. That okay, was yeah. the private press showing, yeah. right? Where he right. Like, walked the golden path. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. No, we, we, uh, <laughs> we knew about that and whatnot, but uh, yeah, that was, everyone in the studio was like super amped to finally get the game to a point to show off like that. So, um, yeah. And then I think there was the PAX East showing that was live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That one was, so that was the first time everyone saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, I was, I was particularly excited, but a lot of people were like, Oh my God, it's so chaotic. I'm like, welcome to Larian games. You know, it's they just, kind of the charm. Yeah. yeah. yeah you never yeah. know what you're going to get. Right. Um, how, yeah. how do how do these companies i guess get into contact with you guys or or, or touch base with with you folks uh is it is it you reach out to them and say like hey we'd like to offer our services or is it more like they they hire you as a part of a contract maybe uh so it's a, it's a bit of both um you know sometimes a lot well most of the time for us it's usually word of mouth um so like you know if larian hires us and our work comes out this way like we might get a recommendation um, to another studio that wants to work oh. with us. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very weird industry in that like the general public isn't very aware that there are companies that specialize in game trailers. Um, they think that, like you said, like a lot of it's in-house. And some studios and publishers do everything in-house. So like Rockstar, oh, okay. for example, Rockstar does all their stuff in-house. Um, and they're some of the best in the world. Like I think they have some of the best trailer editors, just period. Um, so some studios choose to go that route and really take the time to craft their own in-house team and to develop all their stuff. Um, but there are other, other publishers and whatnot who choose to either just go full on with hiring dedicated companies to do so. So kind of like outsource their own team essentially. Um, and then there's others that choose to go kind of down the line of both, both routes. 
Um, so yeah, with us, I mean, sometimes if there's a company that I really want to work with, um, I'll reach out and just show them and be like, Hey, we do, we do this kind of stuff. If you need something, let us know. I'd be happy to help. Um, and other companies reach out to us and, uh, you know, kind of work with us. And I think about 90% of, of the people that we work with have reached out to us. I think cool. that's how it goes. Yeah. That's awesome. Cause I know you're, you're creative director. So what, how much is that? are you overseeing? Is that like the creative process of the trailer or cause you said you reach out to some companies too. So how far does your work line range, I guess? Well, um, yeah, so my title is creative director, but I did start the company, uh, back okay. in 2016. And, uh, so for me, it's kind of whatever I feel like doing, I guess kind of my range. So I, I generally take care of the, the majority of the creative process for a lot of the trailers. Um, so when it comes to like designing a trailer, writing things, getting, you know, a script going, editing, sound design, gameplay capture. But we also have our own art team and whatnot of really talented guys when we do like art cinematics, like for Stellaris. So if you've seen any Stellaris trailers, there's a chance that some of them have these like really cool 2D art cinematics in the opening or at the end. And uh, we'll do a lot of that in-house. Um, so it, you know, kind of just feels like... Uh, it's like kind of a fun job, like a kind of like a dream job. So I get to, if I want to work with a company, I can just email them straight away instead of having like someone that we kind of designate for that hmm. do it um, for us specifically. Um, but my goal is to try and get more like uh, kind of get more into the creative process solely because um, running a business and running a company, managing people and teams of people, that's, that's fun. Um, but it's definitely like you, you it, it's a really serious job. Um, and, I think a lot of businesses will offload that. And I think the result of that is some companies, some people within the company might not realize how important that is. Like you need to make sure your team gets paid. You need to make sure that they don't have to do crunch. Like you need to make sure that there's all of these things that they're taking care of because they're people. Um, and so I tend to absorb a lot of the crunch from the team so that they don't have to do it. Uh, so I try and like make sure that they can live a normal life. Uh, so that's why it's like it's getting to a point where I'll probably need to offload some of that um, so I can focus more on the creative process and, and I don't have to manage all so much about everything else. Uh, but at the moment, it's it's a lot. I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> so how, how big is your team if you're doing a, a, a lot of the workload? Like how, how, how big is the staff you've got? So we can go up to about 20 people. Uh, wow. on like uh, a few trailers. So like uh, the recent, we did a trailer for Stellaris Federations. And I think on that we were, I think 10 or ten or 12. So that wasn't a very big one, but I think the biggest stuff that we do is about 20 um, because I can't do everything. And that's the thing right. is like, we'll have specialists like sound designers that are just amazing uh, that we work with on a lot of our stuff uh, that do a lot of sound effects and, um, yeah, like I said, we'll have a really good concept art team that, that we put together that, you know, that's, there's a few of us and, uh, we'll do the art from scratch and we'll do the animation and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, we have an animation department as well, depending on like kind of what the needs of each project. Um, so there's definitely, it's more than just me, but, uh, I do tend to do a lot of the work, uh, because we tend to have a lot of different trailers and projects. Mm -hmm. So, um, just a warning. You, know, like, you may end up hearing my dog bark. It happens every show. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. Like I heard a car pull up and I'm sitting here like, let him finish his sentence. Let him finish his sentence, please, dogs. <laughs> so if they oh, start totally barking. <laughs> just putting the warning out there. Uh, by the okay. way, Carrick, I don't want I don't want to like run the whole thing. If you've got any any questions that come to mind, feel free to just <laughs> shut my ass up. Yeah, I was going to ask um, what caused you to because you said you made it. What caused you to like decide that this is going to be something you would do? Uh, 
um, Fallout 3. <laughs> was, really? Yes. So that was the game. Sorry if you hear. They're uh, in my apartment building. The They're vacuuming and cleaning the hallways like crazy. I actually couldn't so, go where it. I, can't oh, hear it. Cool. I, I heard him just go by the door and I was like, oh, God. Um, but no, it was Fallout 3. I, uh, you know, I had been doing film work and whatnot pretty much my whole life. Uh, I think I started when I was seven. And uh, I've been, you know, doing video stuff and I did YouTube stuff and Fallout 3 came out and that was the f- game that made me realize like I could combine my video skills with my passion for games because I, I love video games. Um, and Fallout 3 is like my favorite game of all time. Uh, so like I started doing, yeah, I started doing like machinimas and whatnot. So like the first, I think the first machinima video I ever did was showing off my Megaton house and whatnot. Cause I like would very carefully piece everything together and show off armor. And so I did that. And uh, over the years I just kind of progressed. And I think my first official trailer came out in like 2012 for this game called SCP containment breach, which was this uh, indie horror game and whatnot that didn't have a trailer. So I offered to make one uh, and it went viral. So pretty much from then on, I kind of went on the trailer route. So I think that's kind of what got me into it. So. That's got to be that that feeling of getting your first trailer gig, if you will. It kind of reminds me of like when I did. You have that same feeling like I personally had when I got my first review copy for a game. Like I was kind of leaping around. I was like, "Yes, this is it. This is the start." <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, it was like it was mind blowing to see that mm-hmm. this game that was already really popular and to have a hand in like showing the world the the hard work that the developer put into it. I think that that's where it really I think I take it very seriously because like a lot of these studios will spend five six years sometimes on these games and they'll pour everything into them like they'll work late nights they'll like their family will like make sacrifices so that they could be at work later i mean they put everything into this and you're the guy like it's down to you to make sure that the world sees their stuff and like is shown in a good light and in a way that can interest people because I, I mean a bad trailer could sometimes make or break a game in a lot of ways, especially mm-hmm. if it's a smaller game that doesn't have like brand recognition. Um, so I think that first trailer showed me, I was like, wow, okay, this is a huge responsibility. Um, because yeah, a lot of developers are kind of counting on you to like, you know, show the world their work and the years of sacrifice that they put into it. Um, Cause a lot of developers are very proud. You know, that's the one thing I hear most. They're like, Oh, we can't wait. And when a trailer comes out, like I'll get these emails and they're like, it looks great. And they're all excited. Um, and it's cool to that's share awesome. in that, you know? So I, it shows that people make games. And I think it's always a good reminder, at least for me to like see that firsthand. Cool. Yeah. No, it sounds like very gratifying work. Like, you know, once you, when you get that, <laughs> that email from like a, a studio, I, I, I get that too. I don't mean to relate my work to yours because I know yours is much more difficult than mine. But oh, I just no. like when I when I have like a a company reach out and say like, "Hey, I just I like what you did today." Um, it doesn't happen a ton, but when it does happen, it's like, "Oh, I felt that felt good because you know you I know it's awesome." Their their work is kind of what you're you're representing in a manner of speaking. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I get that. What's the uh, the the back and forth like for you guys? Like when you're when you're let's say you're working on a new Stellaris trailer. Uh, do you guys just go into your creative process and then dish it back and say, here's the full thing? Or do you kind of touch base every now and then? Is, is it sort of like the team just gets handed off and they say, make the trailer and that's it? Yeah, so it, it depends. But I most of the time, it's very collaborative. So uh, like with a Solaris trailer, um, we'll talk about, um, you know, what we're going to be doing. You know, what are the 
we're showing features, kind of what's the new thing, like with this Federations trailer uh, that just came out that we did, uh, you know, the goal was like, all right, you know, Federations is coming out. Um, here are the features. It's mostly uh, diplomacy focused, right? So it was all about like, how do we come up with a concept that can not only keep the viewer interested, um, but also can um, show the features of the game and kind of walk the, the viewer through of like, this is what this expansion has to offer. Uh, and so it'll generally start with like, we'll either talk some ideas with the studio um, and I work with the marketing team pretty much uh, over at Paradox a lot. And gotcha. uh, we'll also get input from the developers themselves. Um, but we'll oh, okay, so figure they're involved out, too. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. So like there's definitely, like I'll even ask the developers for help if there's like, we want to, you know, if I want to write a script around like a certain event in the game, um, Stellaris is huge and it, it would take forever to try and dig through every single event and find one that fits. Um, there might be ones that I'll remember that I'm like, this is going to be cool, but I usually ask and see if we could get the developers to let us know what are some of the really cool stuff that they would love to have shown or might make a cool story. Um, but uh, I wanted to federations, I wanted to have this like in lore you know, dialogue, like news reports and whatnot, like I did in some older trailers. Um, but there's not really a lot of visual stuff in the new expansion. So it came down to let's let's let the stories of the galaxy that we'll come up with from scratch tell the story while simultaneously portraying how the player will go through the expansion. Um, and so generally I'll give a script and we'll talk about script. I'll get feedback. We'll collaborate and figure out like what works, what doesn't. Um, with a lot of my clients, I'm, uh, you know, not a yes man. So I'm very upfront. I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think this is a good idea, but it's their trailer. So they can easily override me if they want. And the process is about finding that balance until we get to a concept that's like, let's go into production. Uh, and then we'll start developing, getting drafts and whatnot, getting a rough kind of, you know, um, timeline when we edit together of like pacing and music and stuff like that. And then just go back and forth, send them a draft, see what they think, you know, what should we change, you know, kind of get them on the same page of where we want to go. So they know if we're going to the wrong place, they can redirect me, you know, to something else and whatnot. And then I can redirect the team to be like, all right, let's forget this. Let's go over here. Um, so it's very much collaborative. Uh, this is not a, a type of job to be like, you know, like I need to keep my idea. Like you're wrong. This is the right, like, gotcha. it's very much, it's their game. So we have to, be very open to that kind of stuff. So, you, It sounds like you got to actually then be actively involved in almost playing the game, at least in the case of Stellaris. It sounds like you <laughs> yeah. have to, you know, to, to envision that type of stuff and to take it as seriously as you do, you need to, to play the game. And I know that may sound yeah. silly, but we have journalists and, and some YouTubers who, who even like barely play games. And it's uh, strange because it's their profession so do you do you often log some hours into games i know you said you love games but sometimes yeah. you love them but you don't got time for them yeah no i definitely like uh, i will the generally when i start a trailer uh, if it's for a game i haven't played it's going to be my first thing is i need to play the game i need to see what you guys are trying to do what the goal is i need to understand it from the perspective of a player because uh if i don't play it then the entire approach of me trying to, that's not going to work very well because um, it might be off. So I try and be as, as closely like an act, probably the most accurate I can be to a game as possible. Um, so I'll play through a game and a lot of times I'll joke and say that we're kind of like our side gig. The, our, our job that we don't talk about is we're QA testers at that point. Cause a lot of the games are in development. 
when we're working on them. So a lot of times when we're trying to get through a level, we'll come across a million bugs and we'll take photos and be like, this came up here because I'm trying to help the developers. Um, and yeah, cool. so we, we play through a lot of the games. Um, cool. But it's definitely different than like, if you play a game for fun, it's for fun. But the moment it's like work, it changes your approach. Like I don't really, when I play it, it's less about like, oh, this is, you know, we'll just have fun. It's more about like, how can we, tell the player the story like, like a different how can lens we show... exactly yeah it's a different lens um so it's you kind of switch back and forth from that quite a bit but yeah. carrick you got anything uh crossing that little noggin of yours <clears throat> when um you you were talking about playing early and stuff like that do you guys i mean i'm i'm assuming the ndas are pretty hefty because they're like hefty with us <laughs> but yeah yeah they are oh whoops sorry my my headphones unplugged um when when you are going through all this stuff are you are you basically going out and making these meetings yourself um prior that way like people on your team don't know you know uh what you're working on at the time so you're sort of doing the deals and then saying okay this deal is done because some games probably aren't even announced but they already need a trailer but they don't want like a 15 people at a meeting randomly from a different company knowing so are you like right hey guys i'll see you in a week i gotta go do something and then coming back and being like yeah. okay this is what we got or i mean how are you how do you guys handle that kind of stuff yeah that's pretty much how i i'm the one that uh starts you know uh because i'm probably the one with the most experience with that kind of stuff and in terms of leading these deals and like understanding that and we'll have code names so we'll create separate code names that are separate from the code names that the game is being called oh um, right yeah so that way it just reduces any kind of leaks. It's a different name and all that kind of stuff. And on top of that, yeah, we definitely, and then our NDAs will specify that, that like it's on a need to know basis. So um, not only is it, you can't have anyone that's not under NDA know anything about this thing. Um, but in a lot of them, it's much like you have to be able to prove that they absolutely needed to know this information at the moment that you share it with them. So that's one of those factors where you have to be very selective of like, all right, we're on this process. And so now only these people need to know, and I need to prepare these people. So now they'll know. But a lot of times I'll just give a code name for something. And like, like with voice actors, for example, um, a lot of the times I'll, uh, we'll have a script. It'll be under a code name and they won't even know the game or what it is that they're voicing for until it comes out. And then they're like, mm. oh, nice. It was for this. And so we do that to try and, you know, because like you said, like the game might not even be announced and, you know, we're handed this super confidential information about what it is. Um, so we have to be very careful and very specific with security measures and whatnot. Um, so that way companies don't have to worry. Um, but a lot of companies are want you to fly out there and make the trailer in their studios. So that way it's like on their secured networks and ours is also secure and whatnot. Um, so we do a lot of stuff in our own, in our own office, but, um, with a lot of these companies, you can just fly out and work with directly with their team and spend a couple weeks, you know, in a hotel, basically working on, on this stuff until you can bring it back to, to the, the main studio space. So gotcha. it, it tends to vary, but yeah. I was going to ask that. Do you guys usually work uh, from like your own place or so you, that's interesting. So you go to the development studio and, and just hands on. That's awesome. So you can, yeah, you don't have to like wait for emails. Like in my whole, my head this whole time, I'm thinking you're, you're just typing out emails back and forth and, yeah. and you're actually right there on on the scene. It's, that's it's great. both. Yeah. It's, it's a both. little bit of both. Yeah. Okay. So some studios will, will do just like you said, Skype calls and emails and stuff like that and phone calls and 
getting the right kind of feedback and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, yeah, other studios, it's we go to the studio um, and whatnot. So, you know, like uh, like when we went to Valve, because uh, we worked with Larry and, and shot a, a uh, video of Sven running around in a giant metal thing of armor, and we shot it in Valve's uh, headquarters. And so, like, that was one where, like, it was really hands-on, you know, because we're right next to Seattle and we're or next to Bellevue where our valve is. Um, so stuff like that will be definitely we'll right there hands on with like live action stuff too. And, and yeah, there's also like, um, you know, I know a lot of the other trailer guys in the industry and there's some individual freelancers who are just a single person who will fly out to companies and whatnot and just work on, uh, on site as well. Um, and so both, both big trailer uh, studios and then studios like ours and then individual freelancers all do that kind of stuff. So Kind of depends on what the company wants. Interesting. As not saying I would I would do it, but as someone with like video editing skills, how do you, you know, how do you crack in? Like I know you you described like the first game you got into, but how do you get companies to say like I want Gage who just did his first game trailer over this company over here who's who's done eighteen? We'll say you know how do how do you get people to buy into to your work? I know obviously your work is good. I've seen it, but. Um, I just, I, 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 I do wonder, you know, just sometimes companies will look at numbers and be like, well, we don't know who this guy is. Right. Yeah. And like that's, and I think that's kind of the, it's like the free market in a way is, um, figuring out how to like, you know, a lot of these studios, when they find a team that they like, um, and they trust, like that's everything, you know, it's not just the work. It's a lot of times it's about who you're talking with and, and how you, you know, whether you click. There's like different teams, there's different team dynamics, there's different personalities, like, it, you know, the right people, it's sometimes it's hard to find. And so a lot of these companies rightfully want to stay with some of these other other um, trailer houses or whatnot, because they, they want that consistent quality of work. Um, but in terms of breaking into the industry, um, honestly, it, it all comes down legitimately, I think, to starting with a portfolio and, um, you know, like I didn't go to college for this. I didn't, I'm not, I'm a self-taught person with this kind of stuff so wow that's awesome um, thank thank you yeah and there's your inspiration it's, right there ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> well it's, i think it's something like everyone can totally do um because there's so many games now that have like if you want to learn how to do gameplay capture they have these photo modes but they've also got modes where you can have a camera and move like fallout for example fallout 3 and fallout 4 there's cam you can take a free camera and adjust the like lenses and whatnot that the camera is using and, and capture mm -hmm. scenes and so the biggest thing is to constantly make stuff uh, and add to your portfolio using those kinds of big games because they look pretty um, and like already you're going to be able to have really good quality stuff the more you practice. And the more you build that up, you can then approach like smaller indie studios, um, which is what I started doing uh, with some of this stuff that you made and be like, hey, like you guys need a trailer and whatnot. You might not be able to jump straight to like Bethesda right, right. from the get go. Um, but you can start with these indie studios that need a trailer and need something like that and uh, maybe can't afford some of the bigger guys um, and working with them to make official trailers. And then over time, you can build that up and have a portfolio of actual official trailers that you can show to other companies and kind of work your way up the ladder. Um, go to, you know, GDC, for example, um, great way to network and like meet people and, 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 and make sure that they know that they need work. It's there. E3. I mean, there's all of these events that business meetings happen on the side all the time. Um, and I think that combined with making sure your work is consistent, making sure, you know, you're collaborative, 
you understand it's a team sport. And also you really need to recognize the importance of what your job is. Uh, you can't just, you know, make it, you know, like you don't care and whatever, I'm just going to make this thing. And like, it's, it's sometimes it's people's livelihoods depend on what you're making and it has mm -hmm. to be good and you have to take it seriously. So I think those things can help in terms of like a route to do it. Um, but there's, um, I mean, there's a million other, you know, there's other trailer developers who, who will say uh, that you can, um, go to college, get a degree in film, and then move to LA, and then get an internship at a trailer agency, you know, uh, and work your way through these companies. So there's another route that you can take as well. Um, I took a very weird side route uh, that not a lot of people take often, but it, it did work. Um, but I think it's more of just people need to figure out what they want to, what they want to try, you know, if they, if one route doesn't work, there's a lot of others, you know, um, but we're in the age of the internet. You know, you can learn anything you want. You can try anything you want. Um, there's unlimited information for that kind of stuff. And I think as long as you show willingness to constantly improve your craft, um, I think that's that's the biggest thing you could take away from that is, is just constantly improving. But I mean, that's just how, that's how I learned, but it, there's a lot of different ways. Right. Yeah. And Carrick had brought up uh, a number of times, Carrick, how, how impactful going to GDC was for you, how you you know got to shake some hands and stuff. And I can kind of attest to that where, uh, you know, not to not to focus on the virus, you know, because I know it's, it seems to be like what all people talk about. But one of the biggest things that uh, stinks career wise for, for myself and many others is uh, going to stuff like PAX and, uh, you know, E3 to a lesser extent, but, you know, PAX especially is you get to meet the faces of people working on the games and, and establish relationships. And those do go a very long way. And, you know, while the, the age of the internet is so, uh, so beneficial uh, because you can learn everything, making those connections is, is really hard now uh, given yeah. the situation we're in. And, and so it's good to hear that at least I don't want to assume too much that since you guys are able to work remotely, that maybe you weren't as heavily impacted as uh, others may be. Um, but, you know, I, I remember when you approached me, uh, with the idea of coming on the show or collaborating, um, you said you, you felt like, uh, I, I don't want to uh, misquote you, but I think you said something along the lines of like, I feel like not enough people know about this process and what goes into it. Is there just things that come to mind that you haven't spoken of yet that uh, you want people to hear, that you want them to, to learn, to know? Uh, I know we've just slammed you with a million and one questions here. So I just wanted to kind of <laughs> instead just g give you the floor and just be like, talk it up. No, it's, it's totally, it's totally fine. Um, no, yeah, I think, uh, I think when it comes to trailers, uh, one thing that's good to keep in mind is as, as far as, as I know, I don't think trailer makers purposefully go out to make misleading trailers. I think that's a very, uh, you hear that a lot, you know, cause like you'll see like a game will come out that, feels different and looks different than like a trailer might portray. Mm. And uh, I think a lot of, and I have to explain this a lot, um, but I, I don't think people intentionally try and do that. Like people who are responsible for making these trailers. I think what I, what seems to happen is like with game development, things change a lot. And like, like you were saying, Carrick too, like you'll start here before the game's even announced and you'll start making the trailer and five months might go by and then you'll finish it and then another three months until it comes out or something like that. And a lot can change within like eight months of time between when you were showing certain features and then like they might get cut or stuff like that. Um, and I think a lot of, a lot of people 
don't quite understand because they don't realize that it's usually you start a trailer here, you finish it, and then that's it. But there might be have, there might have been changes and whatnot that have happened during the game in the meantime um, that you don't really have much control over. Um, so I think a lot more trailer creators are trying to focus more on being as accurate as possible to not just the game as it is when you get it, but also to what it might be, like what the goal is. You know, how solid are the features that we're showing here? Are they legitimate? Like, we don't want to risk misleading people. Because you see people are rightfully upset about that kind of stuff. They, if, I mean, if they see something and it says this is going to be that thing and then it comes out and it's not that thing, like, these are paying customers. And I think a lot of trailer editors or stuff like that need to need to really focus on that more and, and understand that. And I think that's, like, something I've learned that, like, in terms of, like, people talking about trailers probably hasn't been brought up a lot. Um, cause you don't have a lot of trailer editors that get to talk about that too much. Cause we're so kind of behind the scenes and whatnot. For um, sure. but yeah. And I think, yeah, the, like, like the other thing, it's a very kind of behind the scenes job. So you, there is no credit. There is none of that. Cause it's meant to support the brand and support the game. Um, so if you guys like see, like, there's a lot of really good trailer editors, um, like Derek is one, and there's also Gina and a, a bunch of big uh, uh, M. Joshua and uh, um, Ant Farm, unfortunately, closed down. But the Trailer Farm uh, and the Trailer Park, I mean, there's a hundred of these trailer companies that do amazing work that I feel like more people should realize that, like, people specialize in this kind of stuff. And it's not hard to get into. Like, if you really want to try it, I think now with all these games that are giving these tools to players like you you can create worlds that don't you don't need a camera you don't need a set you don't need a makeup artist you don't need a, a gaffer or a lighting or you know like you don't have to have all that here the game can be your kind of playground and i think that's one thing too that like might be good to know for people is that you can jump in right now at any time and make cool stuff and I've seen some amazing machinimas that blew my mind and are way better than anything I could, make, but they only have like a hundred views on YouTube and they're very, you know, they're not found because everything's so saturated. But I feel like the more people realize that like machinima is an actual type of storytelling, it's a legitimate art form, mm-hmm. you know, trailers can be as well. I feel like the more we can sort of, sort of shine recognition on these really talented folks that are up and coming, that uh, haven't really quite gotten the recognition they deserve yet. Um, so I think shining a light on that, like if you see a machinima, like it's not just a small thing that someone put together in an hour. Yeah. Like a lot of people put hours and hours, days and weeks into this kind of stuff. I, I can um, attest to that personally because, um, well, I'm sure a lot of my audience is probably familiar with ShoddyCast and they run that Storyteller series, which, you know, is just like... They're awesome, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> so good. And I remember yeah. I tried... Uh, a, a mini series with one of my friends called the brotherhood archives. And we, we never went full on machinima, but we like went into the, uh, the GEC and like tweaked some things. And like, even oh, that right. the minor things we did, it was ridiculously hard. It was <laughs> just to learn it and figure it out. And so, yeah, like, especially when the, a lot of the tweaking we did for those who are curious on some of the inside baseball was for, for the, the terminal. We, we, you know, cause the idea was you were going through, the archives that the brotherhood had left behind and you click on one and then a trailer would essentially play and it would be the video I made. And so we were just tweaking with the terminal and and text and stuff and some enemy placements and uh, item spawning, um, which you could just do with console commands as well. But just that alone was hard. And when you look at what uh, ShoddyCast did with the storyteller series, I mean, 
that yeah. demanded a staff and it was, it was really impressive. Yeah. So yeah, to just not to cut you off, but to solidify your point that yeah, making machinimas are very difficult from my hands-on experience, but also just, you could tell by watching them. It's like, what you can do that with the game. <laughs> I know it's, 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 it's kind of a new thing. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of people like games are just getting like, they're finally getting a lot of like recognition that they deserve as art, you know, and as, as storytelling forms. And I feel like, you know, machinimas are now kind of in that period that games were maybe 15 plus years ago, where it's like just trying to prove to the general populace that people like shoddy cast and, you know, that make these incredible miniseries or shows. And like there people made whole movies and games like as machinimas, which is crazy. I think you're going to see a lot of these people be like the next generation of like filmmakers and storytellers. And it's just going to continue to get more advanced. Like, game trailers now like cinematics are they look they're basically pixar movies you know like blizzard or the diablo 4 trailer i mean like stuff like that is unbelievable and like the amount of detail that has to go into it and you're starting to see now these trailer companies are making their own shows so i don't know if you guys know the love death and robots netflix show that the held animated episodes and whatnot on it doesn't ring a bell at least for well, me Derek. They... is your mic muted Oh, I think it is. Apologies. I was yelling <laughs> at my dog. That entire so whenever you see me do that, it's yelling at him to shut up. I uh, no, oh. I've not seen that. I've not. Seen well, it's this. It's this amazing uh, show on Netflix where all these episodes are their own individual films, and they look different art styles. They're three D animated and whatnot. And uh, a company that I think started that was Blur, which does a lot does a lot of like Call of Duty trailers, and they did the Destiny Two CGI trailers, and they do a ton of these stuff. And they started doing that, and they're now doing visual effects for movies, and as well as creating the show. And they brought on a bunch of other animation studios to do it. But you're seeing this like this push into like more of this machinima style filmmaking, not just from you know smaller creators on YouTube but also from huge trailer agencies that like CGI type Pixar movies to push forward. Um, so it's definitely this like growing industry that has a ton of talent. And I feel like a lot of those machinima people, like you can, you can make a job out of this kind of stuff. You know, you can easily turn that into a, a trailer job if you want, or work at an animation studio for games. Like there's a lot of different outs. And I know a lot of people online, uh, have i've gotten a lot of emails from people like either in college or that are trying to to turn things into to a job and, and they're kind of struggling um about you know like how to do that and i i just think like some of the ways that i mentioned you could easily get in trailer that or apply for an internship at at an agency and you could t- you can make a living off of that if, if you want because um, there's so much great work and i feel like some people don't give themselves the wrecking like the the recognition that they should get and the praise that they should get um, just because it's, you know, maybe it has 50 views on YouTube, but like if you mm-hmm. take that talent and put it into a company or something like that, like you could do amazing things like that, you know? So I think that was probably the, the reason why I wanted to start letting people know more about this world because it's kind of a very niche style of filmmaking. Um, and we could have some really cool, really cool storytellers, you know, kind of create their own stuff. If people realize that you can do that in games. So you, you mentioned, um, you know, misleading trailers and not intentional on the timeline once again. And I, I, and when you mentioned like cut features, I had thought immediately, 
have there ever been a time you were, you know, working in the trenches, making a trailer and then a developer phones you up and goes like, Hey, we removed this. You're going to have to like redo part of the trailer or something. You've been like, Oh God. And there might be like a short timetable because they planned on yeah. releasing it on a certain date. Has that ever happened to you? Of course. Yes. That has. Oh, man. I mean, it's, it's very much, uh, <laughs> it sounds <laughs> yeah, anxiety usually... inducing. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, this is a stressful job. It's very like, you know, running a studio like this. It's, yeah. It's, when I when I get that call, it's I actually really appreciate it though because it means that the viewer is going to get a more accurate representation of the game, um, and so even if it means I have to go back and redo a part of the trailer or we have to cut things out and whatnot, like I'm so used to to doing that, you know, because like the, you never know what might happen. Like something might some crisis might happen on a trailer production. We're like, oh my god, like we need to have a new voiceover. We need to do this or something. Some equipment failure happens, and you just kind of get used to like bandaging up a, a new solution right then and, mm-hmm. and hopefully it still works um but yeah i i do get that call and i think more companies are, are starting to, to really pay attention to that of like we need to be accurate we need to be you know constant so like when i capture gameplay footage um which is usually like cinematic gameplay footage we'll take like a camera and we'll like record in the engine in the game what as it develops so like stellaris trailers i'm basically controlling the camera in real time by hand and, and showing these scenes and like going by ships and just watching them fight each other and like trying to set up moments that are possible within the game. Um, and then just using that raw footage into the edit. Um, other agencies will like color correct it and will like do VFX stuff, but I tend to like doing it as raw as possible with, with the, with the gameplay um, because then it shows the viewer, like this is what it's like, you know? And I think fallout four did a brilliant job on, on showing that with their trailer. Cause they, you know, they got some, they got some um, flack because people were like, well, it's, you know, the graphics and the mouth animations, but like, that is the game. Like what they showed is exactly the game that we pretty much got. Yeah. And I know the video producer there, um, and I, I saw, well, Sal is gone now, but Sal made the, um, the trailer for Fallout 4 and whatnot. And I think that's just a, like a masterclass of how to show a, a game in the most accurate light that you if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that's still one of my 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 favorite trailers ever. Just, I mean, part of it's because I was so excited, uh, and I was much younger, <laughs> yeah. so I was just like off the walls about it. Uh, and I also remember like thinking, "Oh God, don't be a CGI." Not because I don't, I, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm not a huge fan of CGI. Just nowadays, I just I want to see the game, right? Like I understand yeah. the purpose of them, um, yeah. but I just remember Fallout for just seeing it and be like, "This is the game," and it's like a pretty yeah. big look at the game for a first time. It was. Yeah. And especially at its time period, it was definitely a lot more transparent than what I think most of us were used to. And it was for a game that a lot of people were really looking forward to. So, I mean, that that type of stuff is is always really nice to see. Um, yeah, I know I asked you true. about CGI uh, versus gameplay. Do you do you share that perspective or as a creative? Is it a little different from your angle where um, I don't want to say you enjoy one over the other, but are you more along the lines of uh appreciating a gameplay trailer over a cgi yeah i think i think for me it it generally depends because the the final goal of both of those formats um are different so i think like a gameplay trailer is really cool because you get to see the game like i Mm -hmm. love making gameplay trailers um because you know they're more in in some ways can be more limiting because you have whatever the game is like that's what you have to show and so if you're going to write a script and if you're going to show things like this or 
or whatnot. Like you, you're limited to what the engine's capable of. You're limited to what the, the graphical fidelity is. Like you're limited to the, whether it's isometric or, or third person or first person or whatnot. Like that all changes how you approach that trailer. Um, but it's gameplay, which is a lot of fun. Um, and with a CGI trailer, it isn't gameplay, but you have unlimited possible. You can do anything anything you want. Like it's, there is no limitations to those uh, unless you're trying to render them in engine, which like I think Battlefield does and Death Stranding, like they'll run in the engine in real time, but they're still like, it's all there. They can animate whatever they want. Can They can create whatever environment they want. They can tell whatever story they want. So I think the creative freedom that comes with CGI can allow people to see a more, I think, direct representation of what the developers envision the game to be and the story and the tone that they want while with gameplay it's them showing what what you're seeing right in front of you but like as we both know like when you play a game you might see like like if people play the original fallout right and they saw that i kind of isometric approach and and like the turn-based stuff and they they approached it like like in their mind they're envisioning something like and that's why like nostalgia will remember these games that maybe looked different but we'll have these amazing memories of them that will like mm-hmm. tell our friends for years and be like, Oh my God, like in fallout three, when I went into the Dunwich building and then there was this and that, like there's all these cool moments that I think, you know, like fallout three graphically, I really liked and I still like, but I, I feel like in my memory, when I think of fallout three and some of these moments, the, the combat would not seemed way more intense and way more like realistic than if you play it now. Yeah. And I think that's because, you know, there's the game you're playing and then the game you're experiencing are two different things. And I th- so I, I can see the, the value of both of those. And I think a CGI trailer and a gameplay trailer can overlap in some ways in that regard, if that makes sense. No, it definitely does. That, that's why I wanted to kind of pick your brain on that, because I'm, like I said, very much in the mindset of, of liking gameplay over CGI character. I don't, where do you stand on that? You like gameplay over CGI? I hate CGI. CGI. it doesn't make any sense i mean i don't i personally don't find it i find it wasted money Hmm. very wasted Hmm. because it's not a really good it's not an i mean that would that's i don't know if you guys saw recently but they did a trailer for the dresden's new book uh dresden files which is a book about a like real like our time but magic users so it's a fantasy book but they did a tv show trailer i was watching it just going like it's not, that's not, it doesn't, and I get, some people may like it, but for me, it doesn't translate. I want to see what it is. And a CGI right. doesn't translate. I also don't like CGI in games though. I, like cutscenes. I would rather see oh, it in gotcha. engine. I think it, it, right. it translates a little bit better. That's why Uncharted, they have incredibly high budgets, but you get something like that. <laughs> However, that being said, two of my favorite things of all time are the Halo 3 diorama commercial or uh com- trailer which is the it to me at least the best trailer ever made and then um the second was gears with uh mad mad world which mm. was rem singing which <clears throat> was un incredible like those two yeah. will probably forever like be entrenched in my mind as like the coolest things i've ever seen and i think with mad mad world some of it was you know it was touched up it wasn't what you actually got you know there was some PC footage maybe for an Xbox game that kind of thing but Hmm. yeah I'm just not a big fan of that I just find it 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 doesn't it's never going to be in the game I guess when I see the CGI I'm like I don't care we know that's not going to be what it looks like Um, so why do that Uh, 
but right. versus make it look good in the game. Like Stellaris, if you're going to fly around with the, that to me makes far more sense because I can go, mm. yeah, okay. I, I know what you, I know what I'm going to see. But if you do this big highfalutin graphical presentation of some king on some magical space throne, just like, yeah, it's, I'll never experience that. I don't know. I just find it just not distasteful, just odd. Is there a and blending think... that's possible? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You go oh, ahead. Oh, no, you're totally fine. Uh, is there a blending? Was that your question? Yeah, like, like a, I guess a blending of the two, like where you mix CGI and gameplay a little bit and there's yeah. a best of both worlds. Not to settle this dispute, but rather uh, to, to, <laughs> to see if, if that's ever been a, a possibility floated by. Yeah, I mean, Battlefield did that. I think the Battlefield yeah. 3, they did a trailer that showed... Yeah, so I think it was like what live action and or no, it was like live action and then the gameplay and stuff and, like yeah, that. Yeah, so over like, the top and stuff. Right. And they'll do they'll mix that kind of stuff where they'll intercut like gameplay moments and okay. so I think I think there can be a blending for sure. And I think when it comes to CGI, I think for I, I totally understand your point of view. I, I totally get it's not for everyone. Um, you know, but at the same time I also get why developers choose to put the money into that. Uh, if they were trying to show you kind of what the what what players would experience, because um, I think that's in, in a way similar to how we approach like certain Stellaris trailers, because, um, you know, a lot of the Stellaris trailers are like UI, you know, it's lists and like <laughs> in your mind, yeah. you're envisioning all of this, like the galactic community, you know, it's a bunch of a bunch of icons and like they're voting and stuff like that. And you'll see it in real time, like the galaxy will change and like ships are there rendered all all of them together in fleets and but like when you're seeing the voting, it's just icons and things are switching back and forth. And so what we did with that was trying to show people like this is basically what's happening is like the Senate's voting and then these guys are doing this. And like and we, we make it really exciting and interesting and then show gameplay with that to show the repercussions of that. So I, I get both sides of that. Um, and I think it's like it's one of those things. It's like it's still a subjective medium. So like you have every right to not like CGI just as much as someone else who loves CGI or loves stuff like that too. Cause like I personally thought the fallout four opening cinematic, you know, the one that's live action and that pans up and it's mm -hmm. the guy running and talk. I thought that was like one of the greatest opening like cinematics ever. I just thought it was so well done cause it told the story and I think it set the tone and it gets you kind of ready into like what the developers are looking to have. Um, but like when you were talking about some of the really good, like the Halo trailer and the Gears trailer, uh, another really good one is the Dead Island one. I don't know if you've seen yeah, the Dead Island Yeah, it's the one of the best trailers ever. Oh, the thing absolutely. is fantastic. And, by the way, not representative of the game at all. <laughs> and yeah, that's no. why it got dinged. It did get the shit beat out of it when the game came out. But, man, that it, thing was good. I know. I, that's And for sure, like, that's oh, uh, Anton, Anton Borkel made that. And uh, I know mm. him. He works at Riot Games. Um, but, yeah, he, I mean he did amazing work on that yeah. and all the other animators but i think that's i think that's the thing too is like it it really needs to you need to really focus on i think as a studio like if you're making cgi how does it represent the game but that can be really tough because sometimes the cgi stuff comes out years before the game comes out yeah. and like you might not realize there's a problem with the development approach or this scene or that or some concept uh until you get to there and it's like crap we have to redo all of this and then you're going to realize that the CGI isn't going to match the final product. Um, but I think that's kind of part of the, that's kind of like part of the territory. It comes with the territory. Um, you know, like Destiny. Destiny was originally going to be a very 
kind of different game and story and all that and they yeah. changed it up because they they felt like it needed to be fixed and and whatnot and it, it was very different upon release and if you go back to like the early vidox that bungie released you'll see whole storylines and features that were cut um to to kind of fix what they felt like was like focusing on getting a better game um and so i think it's it's one of those things where like no one's perfect you know i think these are just people making games and lots of them thousands of them and if there's something that feels off or cut you know maybe it wasn't the right choice uh, or maybe it was it's hard to know unless you're like in that world and a lot of times i don't i won't really even know either um so i, I can definitely see your point of view though on that and i think people are very expressive about games because it's such an important medium to all of us i think games can do so much for us that not a lot of other um formats can you know like they can immerse you in a world and they can put you in the driver's seat and make you you know help i mean it, games have helped people get over um really horrible times in their lives and hardships and you know me included and so i think i think people that make games most of them at least i don't think they're malicious or they're trying to be um wrong but granted like i have a very optimistic point of view of things um so that I'm could just be that, that as well <laughs> Oh, what was that? I said I'm guilty of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I mean, maybe that's what that is. But, I, yeah, I definitely can see kind of where you're coming from with that kind of stuff, for sure. When it comes to your company, do you, do you have, like, a dream project, a next big step that you want to take for your team? I would love to work on Fallout. <laughs> <laughs> Even 76? I mean, I, the thing about 76, like, I haven't played it, right? So I okay. don't know. And I think that's because I, I'm online looks cool, but I'm, I love the single player experience. So, like, Wastelanders, yeah. I think, is the one thing that might convince me to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was like, you know, it's a different thing. Like, Elder Scrolls on tried it. Um, I, I love Guild Wars 2, so it's not like that I don't like, like, MMOs or anything like that. But gotcha. I think it's just the, the world and tone. Like, I love the single player, but that's the story. Um, I, I definitely think they can, you know, I've, I've seen 76 get a lot of flack. I think they can turn a, turn it around, similar to how they did Elder Scrolls Online. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. You know, I only know a few of the people over there, and I know that they care a lot about what they make. Um, but honestly, like, if they make, I want Bethesda to make a Fallout 3 remastered so bad. Like, I, that is something I want so bad. Yeah. And I was so disappointed when last year there was a rumor that that <laughs> was coming out, and it never came out. So, mm-hmm. If that now, ever happens, it's been this might be the one year we don't get like a fake rumor about it because there aren't going to be any conventions. Like I remember, I think it was two years ago, there was the E3 memo leak. I put that in quotes uh, oh. where, where it said that that Nintendo was going to reveal Fallout 3 on the Switch. I got to imagine if Bethesda is interested in it, it's only a matter of time because there's been so many random games coming to Switch lately. Like they just announced Burnout Paradise. Mm. Um, they they, they put like the. Yeah, yeah, Borderlands, XCOM, XCOM. The, the old Baldur's Gate games, and Tides of yeah. uh, Numenera, <laughs> whatever. Like, there's just so many old games. I'm sitting here going, why not Fallout 3 or Oblivion or Morrowind? I just, it, it blows my mind that they haven't printed money, essentially. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. Just <laughs> yeah. as much as I want them to, to do little feature changes, like maybe make the, the gunplay similar to Fallout 4, um, oh, I think yeah. most people would be really okay with them just re-releasing the game and being like, here's Fallout 3 again, and that's it. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, that would be amazing. So, like, uh, or New Vegas, too, because I, lo- mm-hmm. I really like New Vegas as well. I think Same. 
yeah, I think, um, and it's funny, there's always that obligatory, you know, which one do you like better? <laughs> every, every time, time, every time I bring Every time. Yeah, I think, it, I think it can get so frustrating. <laughs> right. Well, what, what do you think of Outer Worlds? I love that game so much. Love it. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. I'm surprised. I, I really had a feeling in my gut because when it came out, I, I loved it. But I had a feeling it may be the product of, you know, the YouTube aftermath, I sometimes call it. The the critiques that are, and I don't want to say they're invalidated, but like they're these hour-long breakdowns on how the game's not as good as people think. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I, I, you know, I understand some people can get very fiery and passionate and they want to, you know, fully break down the game from top to bottom. And I'm sure developers can learn a lot from that input. Um, it's just like, I, t- I just thought that the outer worlds would fall into that, that basket with like fallout four of like, this isn't the RPG you thought it was Uh fallout four made more sense. I just had this feeling in my gut that the outer worlds would land there, but it, it hasn't. And I'm pretty happy about that. I just hope they announce the DLC soon. That's what I want. Oh my because God. Yeah. It's been, it's been long enough. It's been since October. Like my body's ready. Give me some more. <laughs> right, <laughs> I've had yeah. my time off. Yeah. I, I honestly, like, I think I, I can't wait for the DLC for that. I mean, well, I, they, they did talk about they were doing one. Right. Yeah, they said they announced it in the weirdest way. They they posted on their forums like we are doing DLC. We'll mm-hmm. we'll talk about it later. And and okay. my guess is if they're taking this long, it'll be more along the lines of an expansion rather than mm. DLC. Because I don't think the Microsoft deal with them influenced the Outer Worlds at all. Like how much cash input they had. I think it will influence the DLC though, and 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 maybe we'll have a situation. Um, I don't know if you pay attention to State of Decay 2, but Carrick and I talked about how they released State of Decay 2, and then a couple of years down the line, just a, a few weeks ago, they they released this thing called the Juggernaut Edition, which was essentially all the DLC, it, like overhauled the game entirely. It was just this whole brand new experience, and it's really good. Um, so I could totally see Obsidian just taking all that cash and doing something really drastic with it. At least that would be my expectation. Yeah, I think Larian did that with divinity original sin 2 yeah. they i think they went back and 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 uh they did the new yeah, voice that, acting they did a that, bunch of that's stuff. right yeah yeah i i hadn't worked on i only worked on divinity after all of that um so i i didn't get to see what it looked like before um mm-hmm. so i feel like I, I part of me almost wishes i could like maybe hunt down and find the older version and so i can like actually appreciate the new stuff they put in because i loved i mean i think I think Larian is just just knocks it out of the park, honestly, with that kind of stuff. Best RPG like, developer, I swear. I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> they're yeah they're incredible, and they're it's funny working with them because they're so they're just they care so much. Like you can tell, like the way like when we were filming at Valve, and uh, I'm I was I was uh, doing uh, some of the camera stuff and uh, on a gimbal. And having watching Sven run through Valve with like everyone working uh, behind these partitions and whatnot, and he's you hear the clanking of his armor, gong, gong, gong. He's <laughs> down the hall. For some reason, it's just like that's just such a funny like the like just a way to approach like announcing something. You know, some studios would just be like, "Here's a really fancy like switch trailer," but <laughs> Larian's like, "No, let's do this heist. Like, let's make mm-hmm. this heist of of like let's try and get." you know, steal Valve and whatnot, um, steal their servers, I think was the goal uh, of the video. But um, yeah. yeah, I think I, I really love it when when companies 
kind of are more transparent like that and show that they're just yeah and they i think, love games and you know i think a lot of companies are starting to learn too that that's a, a better way of approaching things acting more human if you will um right. just relating to the person like we don't want to treat them like robots. We want to communicate to them and they shouldn't treat their consumers in turn like robots where you churn out that cute little trailer and it's like, yep, it's coming to switch. That's it. And and it's over and done with. Um, it, it makes it more fun to, to see them lively and interactive. So yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree on that. So you said uh, fallout was your, was your dream project, but what's like a, is there a next step for your company or are you guys just kind of, I don't want to say coasting. That makes it sound too uh, low effort. But are you guys just, you know, in, in the rhythm? I guess. No, we're uh, yeah. There's um, so last year I created a Battlefield film called This Is Battlefield, and uh, it came out and uh, had an insane reaction from people. And I really love telling original stories within games and whatnot. Um, and it once it won a few awards, it, it point where like you know we're, I'm working on the sequel now, and and I think player one is we're going to be doing trailers, but we're also working on going to making our own stuff, you know, our own films and shows and oh, stuff. Cool. Like that. Awesome. So very cool. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be. I think the skills transfer um, because you know we love storytelling. I think everyone that's involved, none of no one in that works with player one is is like just doing it just because. I think everyone is very like. They love having a hand in, in telling interesting stories um, from the concept artists to the sound designers and whatnot to writers. Um, so we're working on some on some interesting stuff. Um, I don't know. I, maybe later in the year we'll be able to show some of it and whatnot. But uh, I've been working on on kind of like, you know, gearing up through that process. Um, cool. So that's probably what like the next step would be. It would be do trailers and original content. No, that's that's exciting because now you're. You know, what would be better than to just make your own stuff when you want, right? And just yeah. to have that, it, not like it's easy, but just that, that ability to just rely on yourself. Say, if we just do the job and people enjoy what we make because we put our hearts into it. I mean, that that's best case scenario, I think, on top of the work that you already do. Would it stretch you guys thin? Would you have to hire maybe more hands on deck? Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, it, we would have to expand more to, to mm -hmm. fulfill that. Um, you know, cause right now I'm pretty much the person taking care of the original stuff and, you know, bringing the team in when we, you know, trailers and, and, and our, our, uh, clients are priority. Um, and we're not going to do anything that's going to mess with that because, um, we have, I think we have a responsibility to make sure that that is, they get all of our bandwidth that they need and stuff like that. But so we'll expand to where it doesn't affect that side of things. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's it's inter it's going to be interesting, I think. But I'm excited to see, uh, man. That that's that's a really cool surprise there. I got I got to see the video. Is it on like YouTube? The this is Battlefield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you look up this is Battlefield, it's uh it's a seven minute short film that basically is a cinematic short film where no player, everyone you see is an actual player that has no idea they're being recorded, and it has a story to it. So that's cool. This, what yeah, caused you to do was, that? Just a random uh, idea, or was it something you were work thinking about prior? Or what? Yeah, well, a battlefield has a spectate mode, and uh, I didn't know that, you know. So I, I, it's like people use it to like watch matches and stuff, and they're like, you can spectate players, um, but you can also take a camera and like adjust lenses and do all that kind of stuff. And so with a with some messing around, I was able to make it similar to like a lot of the tool sets I use in proprietary engines and Unity and Unreal, that kind of stuff. 
And so I just started recording multiplayer matches and realized I was like, oh my God, like I, I can make something cool out of this. Like, I wonder if I could do an entire film with like mm. a story and a voiceover and stuff like that and do this really high quality cinematic approach um, and uh, have no one know that they're being recorded. So so now it's like if, I, if you played between, I think, what was it? It was um, November to December of 2018. Um, you might be in the film and there's like 20 people claiming to be this one guy. <laughs> so like, it's a lot of fun. Cause it, it meant, it meant to like, you're supposed to project awesome. yourself. So yeah, that, that was a fun, a fun thing. And uh, you know, dice was really supportive of it and EA was really supportive of it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I got approached about a couple of work shows that wanted to put it through the, the ringer and, you know, EA owns everything about it mm -hmm. basically because it uses music from Battlefield. And the only thing that it, that is um, not from Battlefield is the voiceover. Uh, so I just had our, one of our regular voice actors and I wrote the script and, and did all that. But we did everything ourselves, but it uses like assets, right, from Battlefield, like it, their models and stuff. Um, so I approached them and was like, you know, can I submit it to this? Like, I don't know. These guys want us to put it through. Um, and uh, their legal team was like, I to... We, we haven't really been approached with this before. And I think a, a month and a half, two months went by and they kept checking in. Like it's, you know, we have to make sure precedent and stuff like that. And then out of the blue, they're like, actually, yeah, go right ahead. Submit it to as many award shows and festivals that you want. That's um, cool. I've never, I've never heard of EA doing that. It was like an astonishing like moment. Cause I'm like, Holy crap. Like Man. that's thank you. Um, so they were really supportive. Um, and then it, it made history at a couple of award shows um, that, have were primarily for live action stuff um so one for the first time in history it was the first video game media to win anything at those shows and i think it won like three awards but it's um it, enough demand happened for the sequel so i've been working on the follow-up to that um which is taking longer because it's bigger um but yeah and there's and I think... uh so 2018 not to, to interrupt you but i'm trying to think what battlefield hmm. was this was this in i i haven't played battlefield in so long so that's oh. why i have to ask yeah so it was battlefield one and Battlefield. so okay it, it was both of those together okay and when you yeah. watch the film like you'll it'll make sense why i was gonna ask that next <laughs> okay yeah, yeah. All right. that's but, awesome uh, and is it in yeah. those same battlefields again for this sequel um i think so yes okay that's right. still like i am trying to see if I'm going to add more or not, but I think it's going gotcha. to be the same too. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's, that's a really cool thing. I, I definitely have to check that out. Um, yeah. Let me know what you think. Absolutely. I, I don't have any questions left though. I don't, I don't know if Carrick, you've got a, a laundry list that you've been trying to chop through. Um, I, I was just going to ask. So like, so you put it together, you started doing this. Um, if you're not, you know, at least I, a lot of us don't even, no companies like this exist. How do you, how do you market that exactly? Like, so if somebody did want to do this, <clears throat> like, I don't know if you guys saw, but the God of War, uh, Corey Balrog, the God of War guy, he, um, yeah. he posted, well, he didn't post it. The per, the creator posted it, but he retweeted it. So a lot of people saw it, but somebody made, uh, um, all the PS four single player third person games into one trailer. So oh, it transforms nice. from Gears of War or from uh, Kratos into Spider-Man 
into right. Aloy from, and it's seamless. Like it's legitimately difficult to tell <clears throat> when they transform and how they go about it. And he, he posted that. And so I'm assuming that's good marketing, but if somebody wanted yeah. to get into it and did have a, uh, did have a, uh, some kind of reel, would you just suggest that they do like, I mean, directly go to somebody's email? Do you, I mean, is there, I mean, how would somebody who's just starting out get a hold of even an indie developer? Because that's one of the issues even we have. You know, you'll email somebody, you won't get anything. Um, oh, yeah. Because it's a catch-all email, let's say, you know, because it is right. a small indie developer. So uh, would you suggest they start a website and maybe post their stuff there, even though that is money? Would you see, I mean, is there any suggestions you have for somebody who's watching who yes, maybe website, wants to start? Website's number one. You definitely should have a website. Um, because if a company wants to work with someone and they don't have recommendations, they're going to Google it. And you're going to want to make sure that like your site is in that list of sites that come up for trailer makers and whatnot. Like, um, there's also a lot of different, uh, groups. And like, I, that was the thing when I started was I joined a lot of communities, um, when I was early on. So like Facebook groups that like the indie game developers, Facebook group is great because you get to all these people post and share they're in progress games and whatnot. And it's a great way to make connections that way. Um, there's Reddit communities as well for, mm. for gaming and, and like game developer classifieds is one that's really great. You can post and share stuff there. You have to be, you know, you have to be proactive on that. You have to be very like, here's our stuff, here's our stuff, here's our stuff. But um, that's the thing is like, you wanna have a website, you wanna have a reel, you wanna have a way that people can very easily see who you are, what you are, you know, if you're an indie, dev maker an indie dev uh, trailer editor or whether you're a uh, you know an agency you need to have a site a reel something you can post and share you should have a presence online you know twitter or facebook stuff like that um and then you know linkedin and then start to make those connections as well so um e you know cold emails that's not a bad way to go about it but like you said like you might not hear anything for a while um but when it comes to like if a if an indie developer needs a trailer like they're going to look at Google. They're going to search it up. They're going to, if they hear recommendations. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's all about getting started and just offering, you know, cause a lot of times if you have good work and you're willing to offer a trailer to an indie developer for free, let's say, if you're not having any luck with paid stuff, like nine times out of 10, they might be like, you know what? Sure. We could totally use a trailer and we don't have the money to pay. So that'd be great. And you can use that consistently. Cause like sometimes you might get a game that will blow up. And it's a huge indie game. And that's right. a huge thing yeah. to have on your site, you know, to be like, because like, that's what SCP Containment Breach was. It was already popular and it didn't have a trailer. But when the trailer came out, it blew up. It was in like the top 10 horror games, PC gamer. And like the trailer hit a million views and second trailer and that one hit close to a million. And like, that's a huge thing. Because then when you send emails, you can have brand recognition and game recognition. Mm -hmm. So like you can say like you're not when you start you're not going to be able to say like oh we first game Nintendo this and like you'll have to say like this is some of the stuff that we worked on, but the more you work on stuff the better chances that someone that you're working with is either going to know the game that you worked on which is going to legitimize them and you in their eyes, um, or they're going to look at your work and be really impressed with what you've done. So it's very important I think to just be constantly going after stuff, and it's not easy you know like. Another option is being an intern at an agency if you way. Um, but if you don't want to move to a whole other city and like find someone and then hope that you can get in and all that kind of stuff, like 
we're in the age of the internet. So you can still build it up on your own. Uh, uh, that was actually going to be my next question. And then I'm going to put this dog out real quick. Um, but my question was actually going to be about that uh, remote yeah. versus local work. How do you guys mm -hmm. have your office set up? And then do you find it easier uh, with like people together or is remote, does remote work perfectly fine? I'm sorry. I'll be right back. I'm just going to put him. Oh, that's totally fine. Go ahead and answer that. Uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, in terms of, uh, I think remote, a lot of people do remote already. Like a lot of editors will just work remotely from their own homes. Um, agencies tend to be there on site. Uh, so they'll have their own office. Like we have our own, so we have our own dedicated VR capture space, for example. So uh, when we need to shoot VR trailers and whatnot, we've got a room space with live and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we can put up a set and a green screen and do the kind of multi, um, multi-set um, VR trailers with it, you know, where it looks like they're in the game. We've also got our own dedicated gameplay capture stations, edit bays, you know, sound rooms, stuff like that. Um, so we have that, but uh, we're working from our office in a lot of ways. So um, when a studio is working with us, you know, a lot of times we can't work with someone in Sweden and then someone over here in the Netherlands and then someone in China. Gotcha. Um, when we're working at all of these projects at the same time, we can't constantly fly back back and forth if we're going to want to work on the titles. Um, so we'll work from our studio most of the time. Um, people do remote work though. So like, you know, if, if there's a concept artist and whatnot, that's like in, in England that we're working with, for example, that we're, that we're bringing on for a project, um, then like, yeah, they'll work from home and, and work in, in that regards. Um, granted, we have, we have certain requirements when it comes to like security measures and stuff like that. Um, you know, ex external firewall systems and for, for Wi-Fi and all that kind of that we want to make sure things are protected um but yeah companies will also like want you to go on um Jeez. so you'll go on site as well live action is very common for like on sites so if you're shooting developer diary or anything like that sorry about that are oh, you totally fine Jesus. i don't know if that answered uh, the question um uh, did did it uh maddie for people watching remote versus no. like at home yes Yes. Okay. Uh, my other question was going to be, because this will be asked is uh, what, uh, let's say somebody doesn't have any money for new games. I'm, mm -hmm. We're making shit up now, but let's say they don't. Um, what, is there any free uh, software or any software suggestions um, or places to, let's say they don't even know how to, you know, it's pretty easy to, you know, understand how to put two files together, but let's say they don't. Is there any free stuff or places you would suggest for them to get um, information on how to edit, maybe even some best practices? Yeah, so there's a lot of YouTube channels um, that specialize on how to edit. Um, and I, again, I, I can send you guys a link of them because um, I can't remember them off the top of my head. Yeah, there's sure, a YouTube sure, channel sure. A guy no that he specializes in that kind of stuff. Um, but in terms of like software, so like there's a lot of free editing software. There's like on Windows, there's Windows Movie Maker. On Mac, there's uh, um, iMovie and whatnot that come with the software uh, that you can you can start editing on if you want. Um, when it comes to recording gameplay, there's like OBS. There's a bunch of free software as well. Um, and uh, I feel like, uh, God, there's there's so many too now besides those. Those were like the ones like I started on Windows way, right. way, way back in like 2001 or three or whenever that came out. Yeah, same. Um, but I know there's there's more stuff now. Like there are free apps of editing on your phone or on your tablets and stuff like that. But those are just a couple. Um, when you like things like Final Cut Pro 10, for example, is I think $250 or something like that. 
Um, uh, you can get a great one is Adobe Premiere Pro, um, which is for at least $20 a month. Yeah, it's $19.99. Yeah, so yeah. that's a great one that you can that's affordable, that is, is, has a full suite of stuff that you can work on. Um, and After Effects and whatnot as well. You can get the whole Adobe suite for 50 bucks a month, I think is what it is now. Um, but you can get access to these tools uh, for fairly cheap um, if you want to teach yourself the like industry standard level of, of motion graphics and editing and, and, and sound work and stuff like that. Um, but I, that's probably a good way to start. I would say like it's hard to say um, what works mainly because it depends on what you prefer. There's no right or wrong program. Like some people like Final Cut, some like Premiere Pro, some like iCloud or iMovie. So what do you guys um, use? Like if, if, if you're allowed to say this, what do you guys like yeah. internally? What do you use and what do you find like works the best for you? Yeah. So, uh, in terms of, in terms of like, we use Final Cut, um, mm -hmm. but I've used Premiere Pro a lot and I've used Avid, uh, and Vegas and whatnot, because I wanted to go out and do the rounds of programs to see what works. So I originally started on Premiere Pro, um, mm -hmm. on Premiere Pro with editing and whatnot, and then I moved over to Final Cut once they got like enough features that were that were very good. Um, Final Cut works amazing on Mac. It's just so well integrated and it's very quick right. for us. Um, but we work on both PCs and Macs and whatnot. So we'll have like 18 core editing rig systems, um, and then we'll have. We'll have uh, PCs for gameplay capture, and we'll do a mix of hardware uh, work and whatnot, and external pipelines that we've built to do capture stuff. Um, I can't really talk too much in detail about what that is because I know that that part is a little like proprietary. But yeah, in terms of in terms of editing, we use Final Cut. So, okay. And I know I know a lot of editors that just kind of do whichever they want to do. So Premiere Pro, Final Cut, I think it's worth if you can try the free trial and just kind of get an idea what 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 works, but. Matty, you said you did some editing too. I'm curious, what what do you edit on? I just met. I just met my. I I do uh, Sony Vegas Pro 16, oh, Vegas. which nice. uh, okay. which I mean it, it's nice, but man, when that thing starts crashing, it does not give up. I don't know if you've had oh. the same issue, but when it comes to editing, I just met my general YouTube content. I I would. Oh, nice. Because well, I mean. It, I've been getting more experimental with what I spice in throw into my video, rather spice up whatever. Um, yeah. But it it's not like nearly on the level of trailer stuff. I just always wondered um, what your, what your, <clears throat> what was demanded of your, your process. But yeah, man, I, I couldn't even fathom trying to, to, to make a, a full on professional game trailer in Sony Vegas. Cause I tried going to <laughs> after effects. I had complained enough and I said, okay, uh, time to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to learn this program. And just like even splitting a clip, I just felt <laughs> so confused. And I hate to admit that because right. it sounds so bad because I, I do no, this for a living. But I, just even that, I was so looking at all the different timelines. I'm like, I split it, but why is it up here and down here now? I just want to delete this right. one moment of like silence before I do my intro. And I just, I couldn't do it. I was like, I'm going back to Sony Vegas. I'm just going <laughs> to, there's a little bit of efficiency there. Yeah. And like that's, I, yeah, you don't have to, I don't, for it because that program didn't work. Cause like, all of these programs are different for a reason is because they're, they kind of are for different people that have different like approaches, different, um, you know, pipelines and processes. Like, you know, what works for me is very, is not going to work for someone else. And what works for them is definitely not going to work for me. In a lot. So that's why it's definitely worth, I think being like experimenting like you did, like now, you know, right. Yeah. Like the thing I always say is the greatest calamity of all is not to have failed, but to have failed to try, which basically mm -hmm. means if you don't try, you'll never know. I feel so a now that you gave now. it a shot. Yeah, no, it's great that you did that. 
what about you, Carrick? What what uh what kind of software do you use? Uh yeah, I use Premiere. I I started out with uh, that cheap German one that was. Uh, oh, I was trying to tell Maddie about this years ago. Um, they do music, Music Maker. Um, they're a German oh, okay. company. They do Music Maker, Movie Maker. They do like fifty-five different maker things, and it was nice. cheap, and uh, it worked really well. And, but Premiere is just better at the rendering. It's it was gotcha. that the rendering whatever they were using it was slow, and. Premiere just sort of works, and then um, nice. some After Effects, but most of the stuff I do is like Maddie, where I just throw some video in and hope that what I'm talking about during the review somewhat reflects what I'm talking about at the time, and I'm like, right. that's yeah. good. I A couple of weeks ago, I did try to get uh, lip syncing to where I was voicing over the top of somebody as a joke, and oh, nice. I... I almost died inside. It was like, oh, it was I... less than five minutes. <laughs> it was less than five seconds. And I couldn't, yeah. I even looked up online, like how the mouth creates the p sound or the p sound. So I could find <laughs> this perfect cut. So I could say, and do you know what I ended up doing? I panicked so much. I couldn't get it. I put Tory black. I'm, I'm you know, oh, I, I'm I sort that. of risque. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put the, I put Tory black. Who's an yeah. ex adult film star saying, I love Carrick. Oh. You should subscribe to ACG. Cause I couldn't get it fucking right. Like, no know. matter what I did, I, I so I used text-to-speech. I went online, I found a text-to-speech, oh. put, my, put my fucking microphone towards my speaker and hit play and just threw it in. I was like, that works. <laughs> um, but it what was works, cool about man. Premiere and what's cool about all those is, um, they, I mean, I would say they almost, yeah, they almost, uh, most of them are, I, I can usually see it and go, okay, I get this. But I agree with Maddie. There's a couple, though, that I've grabbed and tried out and been like, yep, nope. The thing I don't like is that they're all going to subscription. Not all, but many go to a subscription base. And I think a lot of people just, they'd rather have a one-time purchase. And I know when oh. I was with Adobe for a long time, I was really happy. I had my one version. Fruity Loops was the same way because I do music and yeah. Ableton. And, re and then all of a sudden, just like TV, everything moves to a subscription. And you're like, Jesus, really? Yeah, because it doesn't take very long before, well, five years now. So I would say for three, I've been paying $20 a month. I don't even want to do the math because at some point that's going to make me mad. You know, mm -hmm. that's, I think that's the one thing. So I would suggest if people go out there, maybe find one, like you said, either a demo or one that's a one-time $49 purchase, $50 purchase, S suck up the rendering time because they're not going to be as good and, and mess around with yeah. them. But. I mean, Final Cut's a one-time purchase. It's, it's been a yeah, Final Cut. Is it, um, I have a Lightroom used to be free. But a couple of weeks ago, Lightroom was like considered the free mammoth uh, editor versus Premiere and didn't and was completely free. But I'm pretty sure I just saw that Premiere bottom, which is another thing I don't oh. like, which mm. is when, you know, you get that company that comes around. And they're like, hey, man, we got this awesome thing. And some big companies like we'll buy that awesome thing for awesome money. <laughs> I have no <laughs> I have no problem with them doing that. But it, it, right. it sort of sucks for those people who just want to yeah. get into this and mess around you know, and just want to, yeah, I do think though, like there's a side of that, which is, um, it might like it, it kind of flips, right. It's like a curve that, uh, changes because when you start in the lower price, 20 bucks a month, 1999 is, you know, really easy to start off with if you don't have yeah. a lot of money to, to upfront the cost. Cause like some programs are several hundred dollars to buy. Yeah. In one yeah. Go. Um, yeah. and They're if you ridiculous. want to get started sooner, you can do that. Um, but for sure, like, that's the thing is like, after a certain point, like, okay, you just paid what that would have been in a one-time purchase. And now you're going to pay more. 
Um, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, does it pay for itself? I think that's the biggest way to judge uh, how much you're paying for something is like, if you're going to spend a lot of money on something and you, and you can, at least if you can afford to, you know, is, are you going to get that money back? Is this program or hardware going to allow you to work faster or more efficiently or have more capabilities that you can charge more for and therefore earn your money back and then some. So I think that's a good way to judge it is 20 bucks a month on Premiere, but I, you know, maybe you can, how much is that? Yeah. If you can offset it. Yeah. You're good to go. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I think Um, that's a good way to judge that. But but how are you guys handling? So you're doing 4k, I'm assuming 4k. Yeah. So storage and shit as somebody uses 4k. (laughs) It's people don't realize it's the most Scary. ridiculous. It's yeah. it's unbelievable. Like Man. I don't think yeah. anybody gets that. Um, Over a hundred terabytes. Yeah, yeah. So oh, I know a lot of people like Lin- Linus Tech Tips, which I don't watch a ton, but he was talking about his big storage stuff, um, that petabyte kind of thing. Server <laughs> petabytes. Yeah, no shit. Oh, yeah. by the way, anybody who's thing. listening oh to us right now, any yeah, <laughs> listening to us right now, YouTube dropped the quality for everybody, so. Nobody worry about this right now. But when you're working with uh, 4K stuff, um, or would you suggest new people work with 4K stuff? Actually, was going to be my question. I think uh, if you, if you have can, the capability, or, yeah. yeah, if right. you can, um, it takes a lot of space sub. Um, it depends on what compression ratios you put on the footage and whatnot. We, um, we have a state-of-the-art capture process that captures 4K pretty much lossless. So there's absolutely no quality loss. Um, but it takes up enormous amounts of storage. Um, and I think that's the big, big kind of trade-off there. So if you can capture 4K and you can have space for it or the storage, or you have a, you know, if you're using a, a pipeline process that compresses the footage and whatnot, um, then great. Because it future-proofs the work. Like 1080p is still popular, but like people are rapidly switching to 4K. And yeah. eventually 4K is going to be the new 1080p. And it, right. it, I don't know if, if you guys have worked on 4K or used 4K like a lot when you're on 4k and you go back to 1080 it's vastly more noticeable that it's not as clear and like we work in 5k so we'll do art and stuff like that we'll do in like 9 or 10k in terms of resolution um just so we have the flexibility but we have 5k screens and what so even going to 4k now is weird because you notice that little bit of loss um and so i think i think like if you can do 4k it's going to be that project's going to last longer and it's going to, people are going to appreciate that in the future. But at the same time, like it is more pricier to, to go that route. Cause you need more storage. You're going to need a computer that can handle it. You're going to be editing and doing all that kind of stuff. So if you can't, if you can't handle it, 1440p is a good backup option. Mm, I think yeah. for you guys to do, um, you know, 2560 by 1440. Um, those are more affordable. I would definitely, ask people to start there if they can if they can't afford that 1080 should be just fine um so for now but just that's a good thing it future proofs your future work if you do 4k so yeah bethesda whenever i went to any of their events because i bring them up because they're the only one i've ever seen have this specific capture device when you're playing you have the game screen right and then beneath it will be this device that has whatever's on screen on that and and like slot in a uh external hard drive into the back and it captures it in 4k and it's insane quality uh yes i believe that is it right there yeah yep yeah i've got two of them yeah 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 ninjas yeah ninjas are probably for for somebody who doesn't have a shit ton of money you can get a like the 1080 ninjas for pretty cheap and the 4k ones aren't super bad 
Yeah, I, I know the forky crazy. ones. I hear they overheat really easily. Yeah, I actually That's... have a fan that that is uh, that is. I, I mean, you know, obviously they're not going to admit it. But I do believe that that's an issue because this is the second one I've gone through. And I talked um, I talked to John Lineman from Digital Foundry a lot about like what hardware they use for capturing stuff. And he I, I was like, I want to do this. And he was like, yeah, it's good because the splitters, you know, legless. There's no, so you can split to your monitor. You don't notice any issues, which let's be honest, if you're capturing in like OBS, um, you can get anywhere from, you know, 40 to 70 to 120 millisecond leg. And so if you're trying to record a fighting game, you can be really rough if you're trying to play it. But, yeah. dude, I would agree with you. Something is weird with these because I have a fan mm. on it. Because when I don't and I touch the top, it is, it's too much in one little case, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, they needed, they, I'm hoping a new company comes along and is like, you know how it is, c- competition. Right. Somebody will come forward and be like, Let's make one that, you know, doesn't have to fit in your fucking pocket, you know, because I think that's sort of what this is. But yeah, yeah they're very cool. a little theirs were a little, I think, bulkier than yours. But yeah, you can get a nine inch. That's mm-hmm. pretty, pretty. I, cool. I remember I went to a Dishonored 2 event and uh, all the, 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 the device terrifies me. And it's why I never invested in one, because I've, I've gone to multiple events where they've sent me home with the capture and it just didn't work. And you're like. Like, you're just like what yeah you, you just spent like hours just playing got the heart game. palpitations yeah it's a like horrible horrible feeling and, no, I, told and you so, I left oh go ahead no i was just gonna say and so like now i'm very much before i leave any event and i know someone would say this is common sense but you kind of trust it in the technology but yeah since like 2017 anytime i leave an event i'm like can you just give me a minute i just gotta make sure this all did record properly because right. you know the companies have been cool and giving me like a little extra time to just Okay. round up what i need if if i, I lost some gameplay um so yeah. yeah what were you gonna say Carrick? i was just gonna say that it, like when it comes to footage um that's why usually with like newcomers if they're starting out flv is a little better than like mp4 because mm-hmm. mp4 if it crashes you're screwed like that <laughs> file is dead and as somebody who's watched their pc crash there's nothing worse than four hours or an hour or four minutes of your video and you're like, that's screwed. FLV can crash and it just, you know, you don't have to worry about it. But what I was going to say, I was just saying, you were talking about footage. That one time when I ended up taking the uh, embargoed footage away from Ubisoft at that event and they chased me down. Like we all, I think we all have a story of working with a big company where something crazy happens and they were awesome about it. It wasn't even on purpose on either side, but it's like you have these weird issues. And we also got footage one time that didn't work. It wasn't from a ninja. It was from something else, but yeah, Mm -hmm. that can definitely happen. I think anybody should double check everything. I mean, we double check the Baldur's Gate stuff like 11 times because they were like, we're going to give you B-roll. And it's, yeah, we got to make sure it's this and this and this so we can use it when we need to use it. Where are we getting it? They were very cool about it. But um, yeah, double check, triple check, triple record for Christ's sakes. I record twice sometimes, (laughs) Shadowplay and Ninja. So sometimes (laughs) I'll record Shadowplay just because I'm like, this is never broken. Shadowplay has. But Mm -hmm. just in case, because you, right, color grading will be off. Yeah, it happened to me with uh, DBZ Kakarot. I recorded like four hours of gameplay mm. to do impressions, and I it was recording through my Elgato into an external uh, hard drive I had plugged into my computer. And when I went to my studio space, I plugged it into the computer and I double click, and it's not there. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! I was like, like it just it it wouldn't load in, uh, and so now I'm just a very compulsive like. Uh, recording chopper, I almost call it. Like, it, yeah, it, right. I'll, I'll keep a timer when I'm playing a game, and the second I hear it, I'm like, okay, it's an hour. Stop. 
start. Yeah, I just <laughs> right. uh, an hour, just, bro. You got huge nuts. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm, I don't I'm, I'm make it an hour. <laughs> I don't make it. I make it like man. No way. Well, because here's the thing: is I hate like having when I open up my editing software and I see like eighty thousand files. I'm like, oh god, this is no. Uh, this are is you are you at your computer when you're doing this, or are you just hitting a button? Start. Uh, I use Shadow Play when I'm, let's say I'm on PC. I use Shadow Play, so it's just like, bang, dude, do what it's... I do. I'm telling you, save it. Make sure you have it open the fi- the folder open and name mm-hmm. it to whatever you just saved. So I yeah. never open. I have like cool combo, awesome death, and they're all named. So that way, when you import it, there's no date and fucking timestamp. Yeah, I have no clue yeah, what's on this yeah. video. Um, yeah. I was going to say, do you know one thing that bothers me about trailers that I've been seeing on games? And I think these are in uh, in like company trailers because it's usually indies or IGN for some reason. But their their color, they're they're using limited or full instead of whatever they recorded at. And so for their color, so 256. And what you'll see is go look at a lot of people's trailers. They're really blown out. Like they're really or they look almost gray and not rich in color. And it, it popped in my head because you earlier had said some people when they capture footage, color grade it and all that stuff. And you're like, I'm, I don't really touch things, um, which, by the way, when you're working on it, I think is fine. But what blows me away is, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I I feel like a lot of companies don't care about this shit. Because I'll go to IGN, and they'll upload a... T- it'll be first 10. So they'll be like, this is the first 10 of Crew 2 or something. And it looks like it was recorded with a potato. It It's mm. the worst bit rate and the like bad color and all that kind of stuff. And I've always wondered, like, how the hell... Why would a big company, and it, and by the way, trailers do this as well. I just watched a trailer today from a major company where all of the lighting was off and they had obviously uploaded, mm-hmm. you know, a full, full light versus limited and stuff like that. Do you guys ever even notice that? Does that even bother you? Maybe I'm just being fickle, but that kind of stuff bothers me to no end when I'm going through trailers and I see that and all the colors are off. Like, yeah, some Maddie's looking at me like, "What the fuck's he talking about?" No, no, I was just listening intently. Believe it or not, <laughs> he's like, "I have no clue." What... <laughs> I think, I think you know, like with the IGN thing, it it could be. I mean, it could be that maybe someone was working on it. They might have not completely understood that, process. and I think it's more of a learning process. So, like, um, making sure you're 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 capturing the right, you know, but like right bit rate and and yeah. making sure that the quality is right but like it's a complicated like you know like you guys have both seen like it's a complicated process and if there's someone yeah. that's new like i you know i kind of try and give the benefit of the doubt for people so i'm maybe someone there was was a new employee or something and didn't quite nail it or they haven't quite figured that out because it's hard to there's like a million and a half forums out there and the only thing that worked for me with like over the years was years of focus on like figuring out the perfect way to do things in the in the right setting and pipeline um but it took a while because there's like a million and a half different hardware devices software devices that they're all offered they say they're the best these guys are the best and these people say no use this no use that and they all have different like approaches like obs is a good example of trying to find the perfect balance of like what bit rate to have when you're streaming with that and whatnot so yeah it's i it's hard to say because I don't really know. I don't. I don't know anyone that like has done that and and has noticed it, um, and been like, oh yeah, we just we just don't bother with the color and whatnot. Everyone I've worked with has been very like, we need to get this right. Uh, so I think it might just be unintentional. It might just be they don't realize that it's at that level. Um, 
But I think you're yeah, a much hard. I think you're a much more positive person than me. Because I just think they don't give a <laughs> shit. I'm sorry. They do it for every at some point you would think somebody would be like, dude, stuff's messed up. You need to fix this. But no, I get yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. And it, it does take a lot like, of time for sure. But it takes someone pointing it out, right? Like I yeah, think that's a yeah. good a, a No, good that's true too. Yeah. Be like, hey guys, like this isn't looking good or because that could be something like someone sees that and they're like, Oh my god, maybe format and and all of that which has happened to everyone at some yep. point um you know like or the mouse cursor which the, the oh the, god the yeah. devil mouse cursor please yeah. let's not yeah dude i have so many reviews with a mouse cursor somewhere yeah, uh, man. It's, yeah. oh it's so painful yeah yeah but like that's yeah so i think yeah. that's the thing is like uh i i see your point though and i think it's worth bringing it up um and just being like FYI, you know, this looks a little weird. Maybe you should take a look. Um, Because I I think it's worth mentioning that. But, yeah, I don't think people intentionally do it, honestly. But who knows? I have have these two pet peeves when I see gameplay capture, and I make sure I always adjust it for mine. And the first is, like, you know, I don't know if it's the same with other editing programs, but Sony Vegas, when you drop a file in, it has it on some setting and I always have to do this thing called disable resample because it could be like really blurry and then it just like instantly the pops image comes into focus essentially. And it's, it's, it's the strangest thing when I see people who don't disable resample because the game looks, when you combine the compression from the video on YouTube with out disabling resample, it looks horrible. Um, And you can even see it on my own, like really old videos. Um, The other is when it happens when I'm playing switch games. It happened also when I was playing Spider-Man PS4, um, no matter what I do in game, there will be these black bars surrounding the screen. And um, when you capture it, it does capture those black bars. And so you'll watch a video and you'll see like someone leaving the black bars for that Switch game or that uh, that Spider-Man PS4 game. And for me, it's, it's not like the oh. worst thing in the world by any stretch. But I always like pan and crop to, to zoom it in a little bit to eliminate those black bars because it's, oh, it's it just like so out there. No, not even because it's not like it's, top and bottom. It's so like what it's, full surrounding. It, what it's doing is Whoa. it's capturing like at fourteen forty, but it's mm-hmm. a four K frame buffer. So they're getting like oh, a four yeah. or a four K frame. Sorry. So for whatever, and I've done this once or twice, admittedly. It, you, <laughs> if you look, bad. there's like a black bar around it, and sometimes you've already <laughs> uploaded it, and you should set scale as or something. You know, you could yeah, in Premiere right. you can do that, but they didn't. And I have seen that. The other one I noticed was we were trying to do VR footage for Half Life. And you make people sick because they're not in the headset and trying to put right. that footage online for the review. I, finally, I was just like, screw it. I'm just doing it. That. Yeah. Oh, dude, the number of people. Luckily, with Half-Life, people didn't care. It was Half-Life. Dude, I, it could have been just dog poop on a plate. And they would have been yep. like, awesome. Yep. It's, it's Half-Life. <laughs> but any other VR game, because you're moving your head like this, and up, myself included, I get motion sick really easy that shit will ruin somebody's day and so you have to figure out that to me actually i think one of the biggest caveats of vr and one of the reasons why it doesn't capture as many people is because it is actually very difficult to translate vr that you experience into a watchable medium the ps4 tried it because they have their their 1080p out but it Mm -hmm. crops everything and it looks really not good um Mm -hmm. But I do, I do, I am hoping as we move forward, that's actually one of the things. Because I do believe that, like, it is very difficult to watch some formats on your PC. It just doesn't it work. It, and yeah. it, there, we haven't really come to a way of figuring out all of, you know, all, all of the technology to get it to work. I mean, shit, well, YouTube there's... just added HDR two years ago. So, 
Right. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say there there is a, a method, um, uh, like because like that's a big challenge when VR came out was how do we do VR game trailer, right? Like how do we do that in a way because you can do first person and like but like you said, some people have that issue of it's just a little too confusing. It's you know it's hard to really understand what's going on. So a lot of trailers tend to keep it very still, which looks yeah. a little unnatural. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways you can do VR trailers um, that I found uh, through like experience and probably just having fun with them and just trying to see what works. And I've done a few VR trailers. So one is just direct headset capture, like you talked about. The other is basically taking a 3D camera and, and capturing the model of the player in the game. So mm -hmm. like when the player is moving, a lot of some games will actually create an entire model that will yeah. follow the player, like, like motion capture almost, right. that'll follow the player's movements. And so you can capture that aspect to see the player playing as this character and whatnot. And it's a little bit more digestible yeah. and understandable yeah, to sure. see. Um, the other thing is, uh, the other option is basically uh, using what Vive does a lot, like, and uh, a few other companies, which is taking a green screen, and having the person wear the VR headset yeah. and play around with it. Um, and then basically shoot them in front of the green screen and, and render out the foreground elements of the VR game so that you combine everything and key out the green and put the game there. And you'll see things moving around them, live action person doing stuff so like Beat Saber. Those, you know, those videos. Yeah. Beat Saber yeah. came out. Because Live like does that. You can the program Live on Steam allows you to use another wand as a 3D controller as well. You can, exactly. you can get that. Um, we did try doing the pixelation on the edges, which worked okay as well, mm -hmm. where you basically, you're literally just blurring out a little bit of the edge and making it a little gotcha. blurry, which seemed to, which seemed to work. But yeah, all those definitely work anyway. To, but it's just funny because it's just like, it's one of the major things I want to push forward. And every time I'm like, well, Maddie finally got one, but I was always I telling Maddie, I'm like, dude, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you're looking at a virtual world on a 2D screen. And I'm trying to tell you that, the virtual world is better than the 2D screen, but you're digesting it via fucking 2D screen. So it just mm -hmm. makes it right. so backwards trying to show somebody good VR and be like, this it's, is amazing. And they're all, nah, it's it, all it looks is bad, actually. It looks like the person can't play. It looks everybody's shaking. I do know that uh, there is this new thing on YouTube. Uh, my girlfriend had showed me, and it's like a, a 3D vlog almost where it's like someone sitting there talking to the camera. You can click something on YouTube and actually like rotate while they're talking and like see the room around them. And I wonder if VR could ever have you know, an implementation yeah, of could. that where uh, while you're recording, the, the player could or the, I'm sorry, the viewer rather could like click their screen and like drag and kind of look around sort of like you would in VR, you know, uh, I don't you know. You got a would, much it, cleaner room than I do though. <laughs> That's true. Right. I you don't know, want anybody looking around talking. It's cause I don't want you seeing over here. Dude, yeah. <laughs> no shit. Remember we talked about that. It's like my room looks fine right here, yeah. but you don't want to see the other side of this thing. Cause yeah. it, it looks like a rat's nest. I think but, uh, yeah. review tech USA has got the best example of that. When he streams, you see like his whole fucking camera set up and shit that like is on the other side of the room. And it's yeah, so funny just like who cares. Exactly right? what, it, yeah. I mean, I give him yeah. props cause for me, it's like, ah, you guys don't need to see that mess. But like for yeah. him, he's like, yep, that's my stream background. There's just spider webs worth of cables and shit all yeah. piled up. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh, so if you hold on one second, uh, these are about to die. I'm going to switch to head. Gotcha. Yeah, for sure. Real quick. Gotcha. Hey man. I don't, do you have any more questions, Carrick? Or uh, let me look. I wrote ones this when I got your Twitter. Hang on one second. 
sorry, I'm, the human malware, we'll call it that so we don't get demonetized, is affecting our local hospital. So I'm getting emails from our local hospital right now, too. Same. Yeah. There. Can you guys um, hear me all right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, sorry about that. No, you're good. I asked about the start. Uh, yeah, I asked about questions. the starting software. I asked. I didn't ask about the starting hardware, but he said some of that is uh, proprietary, so we'll skip that. Um, yeah, I mean, I can I can talk about like what you can start with. You know, yeah. Why don't editing. you do that? Let's say somebody has a a smaller budget. What would you suggest? I mean, you could uh, depends. First, you'd probably want to pick um, Mac or PC, and I'd imagine mm-hmm. if you're doing PC, might be great just because you only. So you won't have to need because you're not going to be doing game well on Mac by like capture gameplay because Mac isn't a fully supported platform as much as Windows is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd probably suggest you get a PC, so like a laptop. There are some really uh, cheap laptops that you can edit off. Um, obviously, if you're going to do 4K, getting something with a little bit more cores, so a good CPU, a good GPU, um, you know, stuff like that. Granted, on a laptop, you're going to be limited to the graphical that is the laptop's capable of outputting. Um, so getting a custom-built PC is great. You can get those under $1,000 generally if you want to build it yourself. Um, and then looking at the GPU level, what's the, what's a good quality range? Because um, developers are going to want their game to look the best, right? They're going to want to look... They want it to look great. Um, if you're going on console, uh, if you're going to do a console trailer, Sony and Microsoft are a little bit more picky about that stuff and don't want you showing full 4K maxed out, stuff like that on a PC. They want you to do it accurate to how it's going to look on the console. So with that, you're going to have to pick and choose and make sure it's accurate. You'll get maybe like Xbox dev kits and what like we do and whatnot um, and capture directly from there or stuff like that. Um, But getting a a decent GPU for whatever resolution you want to capture in is probably starting point um but this might be a case of where you just might have to build up to the high fidelity graphics types of games so it, you know you might not start and be able to capture doom eternal and 4k mm-hmm. 60 fps and all that kind of stuff you might have to start with smaller indie games and maybe invest in a better graphics card and stuff like that hardware is the point where it does you have to put some money for um you know you can maybe rent equipment as well which is an option for some people if you there's a really big fidelity graphical fidelity title that you need to capture, you can always rent a high end workstation or high end you know gameplay capture PC with a 2080 Ti and whatever you need or a 1080 Ti, and use it for the period of that trailer and then send it back. So there are options if you need like graphical power now uh, instead of later. Um, I'm a big fan of like owning the stuff and right. like you know mm-hmm. building it up and like getting the best and like not having to do that monthly payment um so but like granted there are options out there but that's just a few um i you know it's really depends on what your preference is if macs are good for editing and whatnot and like artwork and, and stuff like that and pcs can also do that as well because they have the adobe premiere set but mm-hmm. really with macs if you love if you like working final cut or if you want any of the, the proprietary software um then using a mac and a pc is preferable but um it yeah i mean there's a lot of different options out there i hopefully that helps a little <laughs> <laughs> no it's been plenty helpful man Cool. You've, you've definitely given us a, a ton to think about. I, and I don't want to cut you too off. Is there is there right. uh, more questions on the list? Just I, I only keep asking because I am out. So whenever Carrick's done. No, that's what I got. I, I got the hardware, software, Sweet. and newbies because that's usually what every time like somebody pops on, they're like, oh, you should ask starting stuff. So Yeah. Gotcha. No. 
definitely cool. I think we covered all the bases gauge man it's been a absolute pleasure yeah and definitely likewise yeah, yeah thanks i'm for glad you had guys. a good time and uh you know thank you for teaching us i i it feel like I, I walk away a new man today you know i i know a lot more <laughs> about the games industry because of you yeah. uh so, so we appreciate cool. that i'm sure the audience does uh and as always i i want to make sure you know you're more than welcome to hop back on yeah uh, whatever sure. you Thank want you. whether you know it's to just talk game news or if you want to teach more people you know whatever whatever works good for you man i uh, just want to make sure the invitation's out there because we had a blast yeah that was fun i appreciate you guys being so welcoming and and whatnot and uh yeah it's cool i don't think anybody even knows half of that stuff exists so i'm sure a lot of people right now are going wait what (laughs) right yeah i mean just as long as we can get cooler more people to try it out like i think that would be cool to see exactly stuff nobody loses out yeah exactly cool well all right well thanks guys of course, and we'll wrap it up here. We hope you enjoyed episode 245 of the Ham Radio podcast, and we'll catch you guys next Sunday or Friday if you're listening to Early Access. Peace out. Peace Thanks, out. everyone. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.